Eye on 2020, episode 55. Have 2020 vision with Eye on 2020, the podcast that brings you all the news and events in the lead up to the next presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date as we approach November 2020 with a libertarian perspective of all the candidates and their policies, along with the news. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's clear our vision. Hey everybody, it's Ray Eaton, your host of Ion 2020, the place that you come to daily for all the news and related events with regards to the 2020 election. And I tell you what, it has been the the weekend. I started listening to all of the uh, the the Sunday news shows this week because I I get them all loaded into my podcast feed, and I started listening to it. And man, these. It, there's a there must be a lot going on in Iowa right now because it seems like all of the the news reporters were in Iowa over the weekend talking with different candidates and so forth. So you hear a lot about um, Beto O'Rourke, your uh, Amy Klo- Klobuchar, and Seth, I mean Kirsten Gillibrand. They were just interviewing these people left and right, and I just thought that it was interesting just listening to these different candidates because you get to see hear their perspectives and so forth. And I just wanted to talk about a couple of those things today. But first, go ahead if you can and uh, subscribe to the show. If you could subscribe, that would be great. Uh, that'll allow you to hear the show tomorrow. And also, if you'd like to go back and listen to some of the previous shows, you can do that as well. There's multiple previous shows before this. I've been doing this since about the beginning of January. And uh, it is March right now, to almost to the end of March right now. So uh, I have multiple shows. <laughs> you know, this is episode 55, and I have uh, 54 shows previous to this. So go ahead and listen to some of those as well. I have some, uh, I you know, some episodes on the candidates. I have some episodes on their policies, their uh, parties, platforms, and things like that. Not a lot of stuff on third-party candidates yet, but this isn't the time of the year for all the third-party candidates. Seems like this is going to be the time of year for all the Democrats uh, announcing their candidacies and maybe a few Republicans that are kind of dipping their toe in the water to see if they're going to run against Donald Trump. But uh, that's about the most of the news headlines have been about the candidates on the Democratic ticket, and that's where the excitement kind of is... Uh, is going right now. And you got a lot of excitement around Donald Trump as well uh, because of the controversies these spur, you know, spawns and so forth. And, uh, you know, that, that's just the way that he is. He loves that. He loves to spark a little bit of controversy. He loves to get people upset with him. And I think it makes his base, you know, really happy when he does that stuff as well. So uh, go ahead and subscribe, though, if you can. And then if you want to, uh, like or not, not like it. Sorry, like it on Facebook. I'm not even on Facebook. Uh, go ahead and um, give me a five star rating and review if you can as well. And then I have IonTheEmpire.com is the web page that I opened up, and uh, that's a new one. I've had it for about a week. I've been posting lots of news articles and the podcast every single day. That's IonTheEmpire.com, and you can also find me at Eye on the Empire, and that's going to be my Twitter handle. So go ahead and do that, and I would love to free, love to hear anything you got to say about the show, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. I would just love to hear it uh, because I, you know, I'm doing this every single day, and I, you know, I, I'd like to see if I'm doing good job or bad job. Obviously, yeah, that's 
that's how we all are, right? We want to have some kind of uh, you know feedback from from our listeners, and if you can, that'd be great. So, but the main thing is to subscribe to the show. But I want to jump into some stuff today because I was hearing a, bit, a little bit about Amy Klobuchar and her. You know, she had an interview on MSNBC Meet the Press this weekend, this past weekend, and one of the things that she so. This is who she is, right? She's kind of t- going to be taking the 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 right of Bernie Sanders ground where she's going to try to be you know, more of a moderate democrat when she's running. And you can see it when she's giving these interviews because she's not saying anything about I mean, they ask her about these progressive views. They said, "Are you a progressive?" and she says, "Um, you know, when it comes to health care, I'm for a path to single payer, but I'm not really for it right now. I would like to see us on a path there, but maybe make universal health care an, an end goal. But let's go ahead and help, you know, fix Obamacare, maybe open up Medicare to more people, things of like that. Like she's not, she's trying to take a middle ground approach on that. She's taking a middle ground approach on most issues that I found, which I, so that's where she's going to be. She's going to try to be, you know, in between, you know, she's going to try to be a left candidate, but to the right of the Bernie Sanders crowds, which is the more socialist crowd. Uh, and there's a lot of people that are running on that, you know, to the left of her, but I've found a few people, Kirsten Gillibrand seems like she is going to be running to the right of Bernie Sanders as well. And then you got, uh, is it Beto O'Rourke? And he is, sounding like he's just trying I mean, there was a lot of criticism of him this weekend actually the way that he announced his campaign uh and also you know making a statement about his wife you know watching the kids while he's out working and so forth so i mean but he seems like he's gonna be trying to run more of a he stayed to the left and almost to where bernie sanders is at but seems like the more uh polished person and so forth i mean that's the that's the stance that he seems like he's taking and I've heard that he also hired on Barack Obama's campaign manager, so that should probably help him out. But I've heard Barack Obama's not going to be endorsing anybody until you know after the primaries are over. So, uh, but what I wanted to do is get back to Amy Klobuchar and what her statement was that I was that was really telling, and it shows where a candidate has to be in order to get elected, right? So they can be on the left on all these issues, on health care, on student loan debt, on, um, you know, child care, on all the sexist issues and all of the race issues and so forth, right? Like they can talk about that. They even asked her about if she was for reparations for slavery. And she said that she didn't think that there should be like a specific like a cash payment, but there should be some kind of investment in the, these communities. And I don't know what they mean when they say in communities, because uh, there could be a black community, a traditionally black community, you know, several blocks in a neighborhood. And there might be some white folks living there as well, or some Hispanic folks living there as well, uh, who are not slaves, or not, none of those people are slaves, but who don't have ancestors that were slaves. And... She said that we should invest in those communities. So she's not for reparations per se, but that, that's a conversation that they're having on the left as well. So she's not that far to the left that she's going to say something like that. But she's going to run a middle-of-the-road sort of campaign with some uh, 
some sway to the left, and I think that's going to allow her, she's going to talk up the Medicare for all, she's going to talk about the Green New Deal and a lot of those issues, but as soon as, if she does end up getting the nomination, then she could easily come to the right, whereas a Bernie Sanders cannot easily come to the right the way that he's talking, and I think that that's that's going to be something that's going to benefit her, it's going to benefit any of these candidates that are going to run a middle-of-the-road campaign against Donald Trump, right? So, but, but she did say something during this interview which blew my mind, and I wanted to bring it up because um, it shows where she is on a foreign policy agenda. When asked about Venezuela, she said that she thinks that they should, that the United States should be involved, that it should be pushing for humanitarian aid, and that it should be pushing for regime change to get rid of that brutal dictator is what she said, right? But military intervention is not something that is needed yet, but it should be left on the table. So my interpretation of that is that she is an interventionist, and that's a bad foreign policy that has led to terrible outcomes in multiple countries across this, across this world, and if it happened in Venezuela it would be to their detriment as well. It's not something that needs to be done. And as a libertarian, I think that Americans should, or America should leave the, other, the rest of the world alone. Obviously, we're in all these other countries, and we're intervening in, their, in multiple countries across the world right now. The last thing we need to do is get ourselves wrapped up in Venezuela, because it will lead to war in this, in, in this hemisphere, and that's the last thing that we need. It's not something, I mean, if they want to, if the, the federal government needs to stay out of Venezuela's business, and the only candidate that's talking about that right now is Tulsi Gabbard, where she's the one that's the non-intervention candidate, but clearly Amy Klobuchar is a interventionist, and to me, that pushes her out of, you know, to me, that's something that I would never vote for if I did vote, Right. And that's somebody that has a foreign policy that is only that, that is designed to probably get herself elected because she's not going to take a stance against the military industrial complex. She's not going to take a stance against interventionist foreign policy. She's not going to take the stance that is going to lead to a peaceful world. She is looking to get apparently when she gets you know going in this campaign, she's going to be looking to get those dollars coming in from that uh, military-industrial complex, and she's going to toe the line on a foreign policy because that's the one thing they said. I was reading an article the other day, and it said that any candidate, any Democrat except for Tulsi Gabbard, because she's the only one that takes a hard-line stance against interventionist foreign policy, even when it's a humanitarian or when it's been propagated as a humanitarian disaster in Venezuela, which it may be, but they don't, you don't hear anyone saying anything about it. Um, many humanitarian disasters all over the world. But when it has to do with oil, when it has to do with military intervention that can get passed through, that can become a popular idea, you will not hear these candidates talk negatively about it. Because they will use the same propaganda that the federal government gives, which is, it's a humanitarian disaster, we need to do something about it. There's kids dying. I mean, in in Iraq, or back in the first Gulf War in Kuwait, 
they were saying that the Iraqis came in and they were just toppling over babies and in incubators, you know, to make, to get these, to get these wars to happen, they will propagate, they will send out all the propaganda they can on all kinds of issues, and they're doing the same thing with this Venezuela drumbeat that's going on right now, so she is not a non-interventionist, and I, I wasn't sure about her before, so I just wanted to bring that up to you guys, that she is not a not, she is a, she is an interventionist, she is for intervention in countries, and she said that today, or not today, sorry, earlier this week on Sunday, I just happened to listen to it today, but she said it on Sunday on one of the talk shows, so I was figured I'd bring that to you guys today. Something else I've been thinking about, and I thought I would, I, I was thinking about it earlier this morning, and I just wanted to talk about it on the show as well, is that the, the national debt is like $22 trillion. And if, if it was 10 years ago when Barack Obama got elected, and you heard about it every single day, day in and day out, I mean, I think the national debt at the time was like $9 trillion. And Barack Obama gets elected and they're, you know, George Bush had just passed this trillion dollar spending plan and all that to do the bailouts. And all you heard every single day was that we can't afford it. There's this national debt and it's just, you know, the, it's trillion dollar deficits and there's a deficit spending and all this stuff. You heard it constantly. There was a drumbeat constantly about the need to reduce spending the need for Barack Obama to reel in spending and you heard about it all the time during his candidacy as well like they they would or not his candidacy his presidency that he doubled the national debt and George Bush doubled his doubled the national debt also you heard Democrats talking about it uh, that you know the wars were too expensive and we're spending trillions over at these wars and that George Bush doubled it and then Barack Obama doubled it and, you know, and then since 2017, since Donald Trump has got elected, you don't ever hear any Republicans talking about the national debt. You don't hear any campaign on the Republican side right now. Like, none of these candidates are saying anything about the national debt. Um, Donald Trump is not saying anything about the national debt. He's running trillion-dollar deficits. And you don't hear on the opposite side of the aisle anything about the national debt you don't hear the candidates that are thinking about running against donald trump they're not talking about the national debt nobody it's like crickets when you listen to the news when you listen to anything about this 22 trillion dollar national debt and what if if the national debt under barack obama was went from like 8 trillion to 16 trillion or 17 trillion and it was such a bad issue then and now it's at 22 trillion why isn't it an emergency why isn't anyone talking about it why is everybody turned their backs on it and ignored the problem why is everybody just covering up their eyes covering their ears covering their mouths and not talking about the national debt i don't understand it and i want to look into this and find out why because everyone knows it's going to go way up I mean, I think it's projected to go, you know, to 35 trillion and up to like 100 trillion in the next 25 years or something. I mean, something outrageous. And nobody is talking about it. Nobody's thinking about addressing it or anything. 
Donald Trump, he just adds more spending to the budget. And then, on the Democrat side, all you have these people doing is promising more and more stuff. They're promising free college education. They're, ch- they're promising child care, free child care for, you know, newborn babies up to, up to elementary school age. They're promising, you know, to pay paid maternity leave for mothers and fathers, I think even. They're promising Medicare for all. They're promising everything that they, oh, reparations for, you know, ancestors of slaves if, if they can prove it, I guess. I don't know. I mean, they're just promising so much stuff, trillions upon trillions upon trillions of dollars in stuff. And if they, and, and it's the complete hypocrisy that they would call out George Bush about it. They won't call out Donald Trump about it, though. And the reason why is because all the stuff that they're promising is going to cost trillions of dollars, too. So they can't run against Donald Trump on his trillion-dollar deficits. They can't even bring it up. They can't say anything at all about trillion-dollar deficits. And the reason why is because they're promising trillions upon trillions of dollars in spending. Not one candidate says anything about the national debt. Nothing. Crickets. Absolute crickets. Want to hear it? That's what they're saying about the national debt, okay? Nothing. And it just blows my mind that that's... I mean, the the national debt, $22 trillion, and it's projected to go higher and higher and higher with, you know, trillion-dollar deficits into the future. It's not going to stop. And I don't know if you guys are aware of this, and most of my listeners probably are, but all debt is, all it is, is tomorrow's money being spent today. So right now, if you have $22 trillion in debt, that's just, you know, there's a trillion dollar deficit. You're spending a trillion dollars that's going to be earned tomorrow by the American people, by the American taxpayer, and it's going to be spent today, right? That's, that's all it is. And it's the same thing with your checking account. If you, or if you, whether you're with your credit card, if you go out and you spend $10,000 in your credit card, then you're going to be paying $300 a month for the next however long it takes to pay that off, right? You're going to be paying that off. And it's, so it's money that cannot be spent tomorrow, but you have to spend that $300 on the credit card for something that's already been spent, that's already been bought. And it's just... Um, where does that leave our kids? Where does that leave the grandkids? Where does that leave the future of this country when you have $22 trillion to pay back? When, when you know, 30, 40% of the federal budget ends up going towards paying, paying down, not paying down the debt, but just servicing the debt. That's paying the interest on the debt. If interest rates end up going up, and you're then that servicing costs even more, the interest costs even more, and you have a hundred percent of the federal budget going towards servicing the debt. I mean, if you had a hundred trillion dollar deficit, you're gonna have three hundred trillion or three trillion dollars going towards servicing the debt every single year. So it is a problem, and nobody talks about it. It just I cannot believe. That because that was always a campaign issue in the past, always a campaign issue. Donald Trump will not talk about it because he 
is the founder of using debt to pay for everything, right? That's what he believes in that. But he's also said that in the past, yeah, the federal government could just default on that debt. And that would destroy a lot of, that would destroy the confidence in the U.S. dollar. So, I mean, that that's not an option. While it is an option, it's not an option. And it's not something that would be good for you, me, or anybody in this world if the federal government decided to just default on the debt anyway. So that's not something that, if it is an option, it's not a good option. Now, maybe it is a good option. Maybe you just need to suck it up and have a hard couple of years. Because I, my, I've always said this, I will take 10 years of challenge, right? Of scraping around trying to find food if it makes my kids and my grandkids one day have a better life in the future. I don't mind scraping by, but most people won't, don't feel that way. Most people will never do that. I'll take a depression for a couple of years, 10 years, 20 years, whatever. I will I will suffer so that my kids can have a better life down the road. I've always said that. And my grandkids have a better life down the road. So if they had to, if they decided to do that, maybe that would be a good thing. I don't know. But it's it wouldn't be good for the world. It wouldn't be good for a lot of people. And it would probably have a lot of people starve to death if that happens. So I don't think that's the solution. I just think that I just I just can't I it's just so overwhelming to me that nobody talks about it that's all and i was just thinking about that and the, and the reason why the democrats can't talk about it is because they're just tr- promising trillions upon trillions of dollars in new spending and donald trump can't talk about it because he would have to own it so i just wanted to bring that up on the episode today as well um thought i mean thought, thought that might be an interesting topic if you guys have any any thoughts on that go ahead and uh you know, hit me up on Twitter. That's at I am the Empire, and let me know what you think. Okay, and if you want to, I think there's some comment sections within my there. Yeah, there is comment sections within my website as well. That's IamTheEmpire.com. I am still working on that. That is a work in progress, guys. So, um, but if you go there and you visit it, you know, I'm going to be posting lots and lots of news articles on there on a daily basis. Things that I come across with regards to the U.S. Empire. Uh, on the foreign policy, on the domestic policy in Washington, and campaign issues as well. And those are things that you're going to find. And I hope you like those things. Hey, Joe Biden slipped also. That's one of the big news pieces of the weekend last weekend as well. Joe Biden slipped and said something to the effect of, I'm the most progressive candidate running or who might run. But he said, but it was totally a slip. So he's going to be getting closer and closer and closer to announcing his candidacy. And I think that I, I, I got this impression from some of these candidates as well that they're not going to announce until they have like all the funding they need because they need to launch strong, right? They need to launch their candidacy strong. So they're going to get all their funding in place that they can through their committee, like through their, um, I don't know, they, they need to get those bank accounts right. And then once they have that, they're going to launch they're going to get as much money raised in the first couple of days as they can. And then they're going to go out there and campaign hard, hit it, hit the news, you know, get up, get as many interviews as they can and so forth. So that's why he might, that's why Joe Biden might not have announced yet, but he did slip up and that was kind of like the big news of the weekend as well. But you guys have probably heard about that already. Um, but that's, you know, that's neither here nor there. We know he's going to run. It's just a matter of when he decides, and he's calling himself the most progressive candidate, but he's also talking about, he said this, 
Um, the new left can criticize me, but I'm the most progressive candidate that's running. The new left. So the new left is the people that are way left. The Bernie Sanders left, right? That's the new left that he's talking about. So, um, But he is a progressive in, in a lot of his views. I will get more detail on what his views are and what his voting record is and what his campaign promises are going to be as he decides to run as well. Uh, but hey, come back tomorrow and listen if you can. Uh, that would be great. Go ahead and subscribe to the show and it will hit your pod catcher. Uh, and that's going to be, uh, that, that'll very much help me out because I, you know, I keep seeing more and more listeners listen every day. And I appreciate that. If you're a first time listener, subscribe. If you have been listening to a couple different shows, go ahead and subscribe as well. And then go ahead and give me a five star rating review. That would be something that I would be very happy to see as a nice review and a five-star rating. So thank you so much for listening today. I hope you got some good information from me, and I hope that your vision is clear on 2020.